0: Our Heavenly Father, we're about to open your written word. We've been singing praises to you, singing praises to the Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. We are accompanied by the Spirit of God who brought the written word to us. Now we pray that He might open our hearts and our minds to understand all that He meant. When he had men of God, write down your truths. So bless us with it. Encourage us with it. Strengthen us for the week ahead through it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this morning we are continuing on to perfection. That's the title of this series. How many of you are getting more perfect? How many of you have enough courage to even say I am, I am? You realize how we're using that word, those of you who might be new to us. We don't mean, look around this room, you'll find any perfect people, any sinlessly perfect people. The word translated in the Bible, perfect, means complete. It's that Greek word, "telios." It means a finished product, a glorious thing. Something fulfilled, complete, perfect, mature. And so that's what we're trying to do as we work our way through the book of James, who used this word again and again and again. We are working our way toward maturity in Jesus Christ. Now, as we're doing that, in our passage of the morning, James, the brother of the Lord Jesus, James, who wrote this little New Testament book where we're working our way through, James identifies for us one of the biggest hurdles along that way toward maturity. It's a huge hurdle. It's likely the biggest one that many of us will ever try to get across. It's the kind of hurdle that looks like the 12-foot barriers that marine recruits at their boot camp encounter on their obstacle course. There it is and they have to scale it with a skinny little rope that's hanging down from it, they look at that thing, many of them, first time through the course, and they would say, there is no way. There is no way I can make it over that. But when they finally do, and they do, there is a sense that they might become a real marine they might be able to take on any other seemingly insurmountable thing that they might encounter. So James is saying that this thing that he speaks of today is that kind of thing. In fact, he says that those who scale this hurdle, those who pass this test, are indeed perfect. That is mature followers of Christ. Real grown up Christians. Well, here's today's key scripture it's James chapter 3, verse 2, and it says this James is saying, If anyone is never at fault in what he says, that's quite a statement. If, if anyone, if any one of us is never at fault, In anything we say, and I would say here that means either in what we say or how we go about saying it. If that is true of anyone, James says, he, they, he is a perfect man, complete, mature, a finished product of the Holy Spirit of God. He is able, James says, to keep his whole body I would understand that to be his whole life in check. Now, that's quite a person. That's quite a person. That's quite a statement. And as a result of that statement, here is what I'm proposing to you this morning, today's key concept. If you can handle your tongue, you can probably handle everything else. Second part, if you can't handle your tongue, it doesn't matter how well you handle anything else. Tongue's pretty critical. Now, what in the world would cause me to make such a sweeping statement? Well, basically, I want us to consider together what James actually says in this chapter about the tongue. He's going to say four things about it. And as we jump into it, let me just add that if James were writing today, 2022, if he were writing today, he would have to include our thumbs right along with these comments about our tongues. For much speech today is not spoken out loud but it comes out of the various forms of social media communication. So keep that in mind as we proceed this morning. Consider now, first of all, what James in the first century says about the tongue. He says the tongue functions as the director of our lives. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about that. The tongue is like the director of our lives. In verse 4, he compares the tongue to the rudder of a great ship. Now this would be a a Roman uh, battleship, perhaps not a cruise ship like we have today, but what James was considering, a big ship, a great ship. And he says, right at the back of it, there's a little rudder. And the rudder steers it the rudder determines where this great ship and all the people on it are going to wind up. It's small in size, but large in its impact. The tongue is like a a rudder of a great ship. He says in verse 5, Likewise, comparing it to that, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. The tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts, brags a lot, makes statements. Let me ask you, doesn't it seem at times like your tongue has a mind of its own? It pronounces great intentions and aspirations. Our tongue frequently puts us in the position of having to either put up or shut up. Now we might say, why did I say that? Hearing what has been said, or reading what has been posted by them, has caused many a person to agonizingly ask after the fact, why did I ever say or send or post that? How in the world am I ever going to live up to that if it was one of these boastful things? Indeed, the mind in our mouth can easily make great boasts, James says, that put us in the most uncomfortable of situations. Now that's just one thing the tongue can do. It can boast and brag and say stuff that then we have to live up to. We have to follow up with So James is right. At times, the tongue can certainly seem like it's running the show. It makes pronouncements and states aspirations that we haven't actually thought through. Here's another thing James says about the tongue. The tongue possesses great destructive power. Verse 5, he says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Boy, us living out here know that, don't we? They're always looking for the small spark that started the forest fire. And maybe destroyed countless homes to say nothing of a vast woodland. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small Spark. And then in verse 6, James says, the tongue is also a fire. It corrupts the whole person and can set the whole course of his life on fire. So let me ask, how many people have been badly and perhaps even permanently burned by inflamed words? Spoken or written to them. What adult does not have in the inner recesses of their mind the smoldering embers of a harsh or unkind thing spoken to them as a child and have that thing forever ready to be fanned into a fresh destructive flame? Counselors, acting as emotional firefighters, seek to douse those embers once and for all. But it's not easy. It's not easy. How many people have had their lives ruined by unthinking words spoken or written by them? Knowing the damage those words have done can lead to a lifetime of regret and endless apology. These days, politicians and celebrated leaders of various types have been burned by words recorded in their younger days. We have seen an American president castigated because of a set of way too aggressive thumbs. James is right. The tongue possesses great destructive power. It can do great damage both to the speaker and to the hearer. Here's now a third and most disturbing thing that James says about the tongue. It's the reason that so much trouble arises from human speech. Here's what he says. Third thing. The tongue is evil by nature. Whoa. That sounds harsh. James ought to watch what he writes, don't you think? The tongue is evil by nature. Verse 6, he says, the tongue is a world of evil among the parts of the body. A lot of the parts of our body dabble in evil and sinful things, but the tongue, he says, is a, is a world of evil among the parts of the body. Verse 8 gets worse. It, the tongue, is a restless Evil. It never quits. It never relaxes. It never says, I've said enough. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Whoa. Now, that's something to think about. Evil by nature. Deadly even. So, if that's the nature of the tongue in and of its natural state, Doesn't that suggest that very likely the first thing, the knee-jerk reaction thing that would come from our mouths or thumbs might well be the wrong thing? A damaging thing? A God-dishonoring thing? Once again, I'd say James is right. The tongue in and of itself is biased toward evil. That's why it's so naturally destructive. We'll talk a little more about that in a minute. Here now is the way I'd express the fourth and final thing that James says about the tongue. He says the tongue has no commitment to consistency. Verses 9 and 10, how he expresses it. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. We've just been doing that. Tongues are good for that. Praise God, we have tongues that we can praise our Lord and Father. He says, and though with it, the tongue, we curse men who've been made in God's image. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Indeed, the mouth seems to have a mind of its own, and that mind is neither logical nor, or dependable. What was said yesterday has no necessary bearing on what is said today, and it's no guarantee on what will be said tomorrow. How often these words of James play out these days on the postings of professing Christians Facebook pages or other places, but I've only gotten as far as Facebook. So occasionally I read up and, you know, as you go through and it's just one thing right after another. But how often have I come across something like this? Beautiful scripture passages with inspiring words regarding the beauty and adequacy of our God are posted one moment on Facebook only to be quickly followed by that same person posting some rant about the frustrations and the irritations of life, and all too frequently punctuated by some far less than desirable language. I, along with James, would say, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. James is right once again. The tongue has absolutely no commitment to consistency. Our words can make us seem irrational and even unreliable. So at this point, we might all think to ourselves, why did my parents ever teach me to speak? (laughs) It seems like I would be much better off if they hadn't. Why did that first grade teacher teach me to read and write? Even if I didn't speak, my thumbs get me in trouble. Why did anybody set me up for such a disastrous life? But you know, you know, speech is not the problem, is it? Consider this verse from the ancient prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 52 7. He said, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. Wow, the tongue can bring good news, it can declare the truths of God. It can bring comforting words. It can say to somebody, this won't last forever. It's it's coming toward an end. How beautiful, Isaiah says, on the mountains are the feet of them who bring good news. How about this verse speaking of Jesus himself? Mark chapter 12, verse 37, it says, one of my favorite verses, the common people heard, heard him gladly. That means he was speaking, words were being uttered, and the people were glad, excited, happy to hear them, the words of Jesus. So it's really what we say and how we say what we say, isn't it? And so after hearing all of James' concerns regarding the basic nature of the tongue and the damage done by it, we raise today's key question. So how do we learn to handle our tongues? If there's anybody in the room here that has learned how to do that, I'd like you to come up here and I'd just like to interview you. How exactly do we go about, how did you go about learning to handle your tongue that none of the four things that James says about the tongue is any longer a reality for you? See, I don't think any of us have been perfected in this matter. But there are things that we can do to head in the right direction. I want to share with you, even as i share with myself, three pieces of advice. One comes from Jesus, one comes from the Apostle Paul, and the third one comes from James himself. Here's the first piece of advice on how to handle our tongues and not let our tongues get us into the the flaming problems and the life relationships and the destructive things that that improper speech, hastily given speech can put us. So here's the first one. Become sensitive to why you say what you say. We've probably all had that experience of saying something these days, writing something, sending it off, posting it, and then reading it later and say, oh man, why did I say that? Or saying something to a person that all of a sudden we see their face drop and you realize you have really hurt them deeply and and immediately within you. It's like, why did I say that? Why did I do that hurtful thing? Here's what Jesus once said. Aren't we glad he learned to talk? Out of the abundance, that is the thing stored up there, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Matthew twelve thirty-four. You see, our words give us and those around us a peek into our hearts. It's our hearts that start out desperately wicked. That's what Jeremiah said, Jeremiah 17, 9. Desperate words, destructive words, reveal that our hearts are still in their original condition. It's our heart problem that leads to our tongue problem. And so after Jesus identifies the problem for us, it's out of the heart that this stuff comes the Apostle Paul provides a solution. He says, advice two, allow the Spirit, the Spirit of God, to change you from the inside out. Have you ever had anybody tell you to talk nicer? (laughs) Now I'm going to tell you just a little story. Just a little story on my older brother because I love him and my mom loved him and my older brother was a rascal he was a a good old boy in high school he ran with the guys that rode the motorcycles and there was a while I rode the motorcycle behind him going wherever we needed to go and Keith was just a, a joyful guy people loved him everybody loved him except teachers And Keith, over the years, developed some what Harry Truman once called colorful language. And then he went into the Marine Corps right after high school. And you know, not one of those people there who were in authority over him, that he had to do exactly what they said, not one of them told him to clean up his language. In fact, they introduced additional words to his vocabulary. <laughs> He went through Vietnam and my mom prayed him through and, and uh, he came home and, uh, and he'd be around the, the house. I was in college and then seminary and we'd come home to visit and Keith would be there. He's just, and by the way, a few years after he got back from uh, Vietnam, he completely surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. He wrote me a letter and, and said, I, I accepted Christ as my savior last week, kind of as a PS at the bottom of it. <laughs> There's been no doubt ever since that he belongs to Jesus Christ. He's committed to Christ. He's been in, faithful in the church and serving and, in any way he can for all these years. But every now and then he'd be at home and, and something, he'd be telling a story, right? And, and something to em- emphasize something would just pop out of his mouth. Might start with a D, might start with an H. And my mother would be sitting there and she'd say, Keith, Keith, little old lady probably up in her 85, 90, Keith, he'd look at her and say, what? (laughs) It was also ingrained in. Just saying stop doesn't really work. But it's amazing the words that got eliminated from him. Just a couple of words for emphasis here and there. If somebody says, you've you got to quit talking like that, it's hard to just say, I'm going to quit. They're embedded in you frequently. Paul says it has to start from deep inside, the thing that triggers the mouth. And after a while, there wasn't anything triggering my brother's mouth anymore. Just a couple of those words were in his brain. They didn't come out of his heart any longer. But this is what Paul says. you got to allow the Spirit to change you from the inside out. And here we're talking about hurtful words, nasty words, get-even words, all the things where the words are destructive, not just uh, you know, words that actually, honestly, aren't even swear words. We just don't like to hear them. He says this, Galatians 5, 16, keep in step with the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of your sinful nature. That sinful nature is there forever. There's a part of us that would like to destroy people regularly for our whole lives just to show how much better than them we are. Paul says you need to have the Holy Spirit controlling you so that that part of you does not control you any longer. And when that begins to happen, when the Holy Spirit enters into our life, then what we want to talk about and how we talk about it will change. You see, we begin to handle our tongues by allowing the Holy Spirit to handle our hearts. But this is an ongoing process. We're growing toward maturity. Some days we're much more in step with the Spirit than others. Sometimes hurtful, insensitive, poorly chosen words enter the air right around us, coming right from our mouth, and catch us completely by surprise. And it's too late to take them back. So here's the third thing. This is something James told us a number of weeks ago. It's all the way back in chapter 1. He says, be slow to speak. You can't be guaranteed, I can't be guaranteed that anything that comes out of my mouth on the spur of the moment is going to be a good God-honoring thing. Because the more spur of the moment it is, the more likely we can slide it right past the Holy Spirit before he has a chance to even (laughs) say anything to us. So James says, James 1.19, everyone, all you believers, should be quick to listen. That'll slow down our speaking if we're just listening a lot. Be sure you know what's going on before you make a comment. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and then remember we translated the last part of that phrase, and even slower to become angry. Quick to listen. Be sure you understand the situation thoroughly. Be sure that the person involved knows how much you care before you ever open your mouth. Then, carefully and sensitively choose your words, if any words are even needed. Handle your tongue. Handle it in a way that honors God, that shows the, actually the control of the Spirit of God over your heart. Our final thought says this, handling one's tongue is a sure sign of spiritual maturity. Maybe it's the best sign. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, James knew And we know what great harm we can do to ourselves and to others by words that are foolishly chosen and in the heat of emotion, spoken. Father, help us to hear James say, my brothers and sisters, this should not be. You should not be speaking well and speaking badly at the same time praising God and denigrating people with the same mouth shifting from your new nature right back to the old nature so quick so fast that folks might even wonder if you have a new nature father we don't want to be those people it grieves the spirit It hurts people around us. And it frustrates our ability to actually represent Christ. So, Lord, we ask that that we might take to heart what we hear in the Scripture. That we might let Jesus remind us that it's the heart where problematic speech begins. It's the heart where ugliness is found. It's the heart where rash things arise. And Father, lots of us have hurts in our heart. Sometimes we strike back just because something seems like, here it comes again. Father, cleanse us. Heal us. And then allow us to to have right at the center of our being a Holy Spirit-nurtured heart. And then, Lord, may we, may we just be sure that we yield ourselves every day to the work of that Holy Spirit, that he would guide us, he would change us, he would nurture us, he would kind of remove from the core of us things that We're once right there. And then, Father, as people, help us to decide that we will not rush headlong into conversations. We will not rush headlong into things that we declare publicly in whatever means that we have. Father, don't let our our mouths abuse our faith and bring disregard and abuse even upon our Savior. But may we be those who, who when people see us coming, are glad to hear what we have to say, are glad to be around us and, and be reminded of the good news that Christ has brought and that the Spirit is producing. May our mouths be servants of God For we ask this now in Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has inspired you to live the sun life together with us. If you are near Apple Valley, California this weekend, we invite you to join us in person Sunday morning or through our live broadcast. All the details are on our website at sunlifecommunitychurch.com.